We all hear about the importance of SEO, SEM, and even SMO, which is a thing. And I just found out it stands for Social Media Optimization. But why are these acronyms so important in marketing? And how do you get to the level of expertise and almost obsession about all these key performance marketing indicators? Find that out and more in this episode of Forward Thinking. Hey everyone, I'm Darren Lake, the audio content manager here at Medici. Welcome to Forward Thinking, a podcast by Medici. In this series, we speak with inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. In this episode, we go deep, so deep it borders on obsessive with Matt Paul's Australia's head of marketing, Karim Mwabi. With the help of everyone's common denominator, love for dogs, this pup business thrives on user-generated content and is one of the largest content producers of the pet industry in the world. In this episode, Karim discusses how he applied the marketing funnel, growth mindset, and SEO to grab the attention of over 14 million dog owners across Australia. Yes, 14 million. The first marketing channel you should try when launching your business, how to create ambassadors of your business from existing customers, and so much more. Here's the conversation with Brendan and Krim. Karim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So I know you've been working at Mad Paws now for around four years, but let's wind back the clock. What was your first exposure to marketing? Originally, when I first started in marketing, was back working for a small search agency. This was before the mobile days or anything like that. Yep. I was really ta- tailored towards you know Google ads and driving phone calls for small to medium businesses. And after about two or three months of working at that small agency, I kind of unlocked this obsession of mine with performance marketing and really seeing the potential that you can drive at the grassroots for businesses of all size. So yeah, it was just kind of became obsessed. This was almost just over nine years ago now. Um, And this was before, as I said, the mobile days. So everything was going onto desktop and yeah, really trying to drive as much calls and leads for small to medium businesses, like from the plumbers to the chiropractors to the skip bin removalists and things like that. From there, I kind of, I was at that small agency for about two, two and a half years. And then that's just after that, I, I, not just after that, while I was there, I, I started searching one evening for some clothes online. And this sounds a little bit ridiculous story, but while I was searching, I came across an ad for a company called The Iconic. And this was before there was any big above the line campaigns or any heavy brand campaigns. It was just simply this website that had all these cool brands that I'd never wow. heard of, these cool brands that I had heard of that the company had never heard of. So I remember I bought a Ben Sherman shirt, funnily (laughs) enough, and then I checked out the careers page and they were looking for a head of SEM. I was in no way, shape or form ready to become a head of SEM, but I just sent them an email and I was like, hey guys, this looks cool. Who are you? And are you hiring for any other roles? They got me in for an interview and I literally got obsessed. There were barbecue tables, there were models (laughs) walking around up the catwalk uh, for photo shoots. Um, and there were many different rocket internet companies in the same building. And I was like, I don't know what kind of madness this is. I've never <laughs> heard of you. I don't even know if this is legal. But I, I got to be a part of this. So that's when the obsession with startups really happened from there. So Right. And what were some of your key takeaways from working at the Iconic? Not necessarily just the Iconic, but also at Food Panda, which is all part of the rocket internet universe. Mm. It basically propelled my learning faster than anything I can imagine. The opportunities to learn in places like that are just so incredibly exciting. 
the more you put into it, the more you definitely can get out of it. There's a, a few articles out there about the life and uh, the work-life balance of working at Rocket, but I think it really comes down to if you really want to learn and learn in a practical environment, then it's a fantastic opportunity for you. So with so many moving parts and so many changes, and it's like a combination of you'll find people that are proven executors that can deliver on something mm. or really high academic achievers. And that combination is really dangerous at building something really powerful. Hence, if you look at the iconic or food panda that's gone on to be acquired by Delivery Hero or more locally in Australia, the Marley Spoons and the Hello Freshers of the world. So, yeah. So, I mean, you speak of learning, how to learn, and obviously marketing. It's a massive beast to master. How do you learn marketing? I mean, so much noise. How do you focus and what sort of tools and resources do you use? Well, I think learning, it comes down to, like, I'm, as I said, I'm a very practical learner. I don't necessarily like to go and learn in theory. I'm actually a university dropout because I really found that I was learning so much more by being hands-on. But in terms of learning, it's by finding, having conversations with people, testing new things, validating things while you're testing them, right. and really trying to understand what metrics you're trying to move with this particular learning or this particular test. And yeah, making sure that you've got the right, the right tracking in place to gather these learnings and move forward. So. so for any early stage businesses listening, they don't know where to start with marketing. They don't know how to learn it. They've got yeah. a lot of other, other tasks on their plate. Sure. I mean, what advice do you give those guys? This is a very common question that I get, and I think it all comes down to if you've validated your product, okay, mm-hmm. I assume that most people out there have validated their product, there's a specific demand for it, okay? If there's demand for it, there's going to be search volume for it, okay? There's probably going to be a lot of players out there bidding on specific non-branded keywords or industry-related keywords, but it's a good way to understand whether or not your product is viable and also gain some initial early traction. So yeah, definitely Google search. Let's circle back to Madpaws now. So it's Australia's largest pet sitting platform. I was checking out your LinkedIn profile before this interview and I noticed that you composed an article on dogs in the workplace. So dogs decrease stress in the workplace, can increase morale between employees. And that's something I'm trying to do at our workplace at the moment at the Sydney Startup Hub. Unfortunately, dogs aren't allowed at the moment. That's a shame. It is a shame. Hopefully that will change soon. But from your experience, dogs in the workplace, what have you seen there? Look, it's no, everybody knows the statistics. Dogs create happiness. Dogs create a sense of comfort. If two people are two completely different personality types and they're clashing over a specific project at work or a hypothesis that's unvalidated, everybody's common denominator is their love for dogs and pets. Okay, <laughs> they bring a sense of calm into the office and that's what we find at Madpaws. We are... One thing that really enables us to have dogs in the office and the reason why we chose our current working space over others was because obviously we're a pet marketplace. So we're Mm. all obsessed with pets. And this comes, this stems all the way through uh, as part of our culture. It's one of our values at at our business. So yeah, I think in terms of what the impact it has is it makes everybody a little bit more calm, Mm. but also it reminds us what we're trying to achieve here. At the end of the day, we're trying to build Australia's largest pet community and having dogs in the office, it really brings that sense of love at the grassroots level when we're making our decisions or moving forward with projects. So. And what are you most excited about now what in terms I, of marketing at Madpaws? In terms of marketing at Madpaws, I think there's a few things. We've got a lot of moving parts. We're very focused on our organic side of things at the moment and we're also very focused on our internal referrals. Right activating our database in new and exciting ways, Mm. but also enabling our pet sitters within our community to go out and become true ambassadors of our business and really try and drive organic acquisition through them as well. 
Because yeah, being a two-sided marketplace, you want to have the best pet sitters on the platform, but you want to make sure that they also uh, have the best experience with the best owners and likewise vice versa. So yeah, it's really about um, trying to empower both pet sitters mm-hmm. to run a full self-service pet service through our platform. So. And one of the things that you guys do really well is the user-generated content. Yeah. So I mean, I was looking up some statistics before. So 29% higher web conversions with user-generated content and people find the content 35% more memorable. Yeah. And obviously you've got some great content to work with, uh, yeah. dogs and other kinds of pets. Uh, what kind of activities are you guys doing around user-generated content? We do so much with user-generated content. Mm. We're, as I said, we're a community. Okay. Yeah. So people love to talk about their pets. If you find a dog owner on the street or if you're walking a dog on the street and mm. it's the same breed of a dog that somebody else has, they'll literally come up to you and start talking. We find that with every day sharing content with us, whether it be through social media mm. or through emails and so forth. So one of our most successful user-generated pieces of well, user-generated content campaigns was we threw the call out to our database and said, we want to crown in every single state Australia's dog of the year. Wow. And then from there, we want to also... We was also uh, want to also crown the national dog of the year as well. So we said, send us through some images of your pets and also tell us why your dog deserves to be in 25 words or less. Nice. We had thousands of entries. <laughs> like It was absolutely insane. Wow. People were creating videos and sending it to us. People were doing like interviews with their dogs. <laughs> they, they really got into the spirit of it. And um, it had an amazing output for us in the end because we managed to get coverage in all local newspapers around Australia wow. and then also national press as well. And it's something that we're very proud of, being able to unlock that community and network effects to provide value and validation for our brand. And more recently, we've also done Australia's Most Huggable Cat. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's very interesting because you can imagine how some cat or pet owners would uh, try to explain how their, their <laughs> pet is the most huggable cat. So, mm. yeah, it really shows the power of not only user-generated content, how far you can stretch it, but also people want to be feel like they're being included in something. And that's what our community is all about, engaging with all areas of it. So Really interesting. And how can small businesses, maybe they don't have the emotional connection to their audience through their pets. How can these guys, I mean, you mentioned before you've worked with all kinds of industries like your plumbers, your electricians. How can these guys sort of activate these tactics that you're using? Well, I think it's competitions like launching Australia's, like trying to find Australia's dog of the year. Mm. It can be kind of plugged into other businesses for sure. Um, If I think about companies who are looking to create user-generated content, every plumber knows probably somebody who knows how to make a video. Mm. Okay, And then from there, you can say something like, hey, guys, we're trying to gather as much video as we possi- video marketing as we possibly can yep. uh, to promote uh, you know, plumbing safety or something like that. Send us a short clip about how you practice plumbing safety. Um, and you could go in, in the running to win a, I'm not too sure, maybe a $1,000 toolkit. Yeah. So it'll cost you maybe a thousand bucks or maybe you'll be able to get a, um, a sponsor for this particular competition. And from there, what would happen is you would have access to endless amounts of video content that you can chop and change for marketing and so forth. And you'd also have access to this huge database of people who already engage with your brand. So yeah, there's many different ways you can do it. Yeah, Yeah. awesome. And I know you're a passionate growth marketer as well. Can you talk us through some of your growth marketing processes? Well, I think growth marketing, it starts with the mindset, Mm. okay? You really want to, what we try to do is we try to get all people in the room who could potentially have some sort of input or could find it useful based on what we're doing. Right. Okay, this just doesn't stem from the marketing team. This also goes into the product technology, customer experience and everything like that. And what we want to do is we want to highlight the problem that we currently have. Um, And then from there, we go through and we map out how we can possibly impact 
uh, have an impact on on that problem. Um, and then, as I said before, you really, really, really want to highlight what metrics you're looking to improve yeah. um, during that uh, during that process, and really validate the process before you try to scale it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with starting very small and moving towards something that's bigger and more scalable in long terms. You've mentioned metrics before. I mean, how does a small business they're just starting out? How do they identify the metric that matters the most? I mean, sure. their North Star metric. Sure, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. <laughs> North Star metric is something that I've I've been using so much lately whenever I talk to any anybody from any business okay mm. so the north star metric obviously is the one metric that the business cares about yeah. but if it's a larger company even a you know medium sized company like madpaws how do you convince a social media manager mm. that they're driving that north star metric when they're focused on engagement how do you convince mm. your campaign uh, crm manager that they're driving the north star metric with their types of work that they're doing and i think it's about breaking down whichever step in the funnel you're looking at moving so for us revenue is our north star metric metric, which then can be broken down into pet owner acquisitions. If we're trying to drive more pet owner booking inquiries in a specific state, we have to first understand, okay, what do we need? We need a high number of booking inquiries from pet owners. We need responsive pet sitters on our platform. Okay, so then we figure out, okay, which two areas are we going to drive the most to push this metric? And then eventually that's going to impact the top line. So, Yeah, awesome. And going to the struggles now, I mean, what are you guys struggling with at the moment? Yeah, look... I wouldn't say that we're struggling. Well, well, I tell you what, one thing that we've always struggled with is dogs can't talk. Okay, (laughs) So dogs can't talk, so we don't know whether or not they've had a good experience and sometimes it turns into he said, she said, blah, blah, Mm. blah. But if dogs could talk, we would be able to validate the quality of a pet sitter. Okay, Mm. And we'd be able to validate whether or not we've matched a pet owner with the correct pet sitter. And that is something that we're not struggling with, but we're definitely having laser focus on now. So Mm. it's the whole matchmaking side of things. Because somebody who has got a five-star review with a Great Dane doesn't necessarily, uh, isn't necessarily going to provide the best service to somebody who's looking to have their Labrador cared for because those two dogs have different traits. Yeah. So yeah, we really have laser focus on matching the right pet owner with the pet sitter. How are we doing that? It's a constant trial and error process. Making sure pet owners uh, have the most relevant uh, search results in front of them in our rankings based on calendar updates, based on experience and things like that but also based on like distance proximity to where the pet owner lives, to where the pet sitter lives as well. So yeah, problem-wise, we don't call them problems, we call them opportunities. Exactly. So, Kareem, thanks for sharing so much value with the audience so far. Now I wanted to touch on tools. So are there any tools, $100 or less, that you've purchased in the last sort of 12 months that have made a significant impact? It's funnily enough, it's such a simple tool that we've been using and everybody seems to be using it now, but the power of it is so significant in that specific channel. But at the same time, I'm also a believer that the tool I'm about to talk about could be completely made redundant with the power of Instagram. And it's the ability to link to multiple pages within your website from your Instagram bio. Okay. The reason why this is so powerful for Madpools is we are one of the largest content creators in the pet industry in Australia, if not the world, we produce mass amounts of content. Right. Okay, And getting this content out to the right people is so important for us. And with the change of Instagram and now being able to go directly to people with like a behind the scenes look through Instagram stories, mm. we're really able to send people into this content and provide so much value from uh, to them in such a quick way as well. Um, so definitely our, our Linktree account, shout out to Linktree. I think it costs us six US dollars a month. Oh, wow. Um, but there's so many other different, uh, so many other players out there that are doing something similar as well. Um, if you look at some of the big, the big media, media companies in Australia, they're really sending people deep into these articles all the way from their profiles. So 
Yeah, it goes. To, but then again, I think it could be all of a sudden become redundant with one fo- laser focused, <laughs> laser focus from Instagram who could literally just say, hey, guys, we're going to let you link to whichever page you want. You don't yeah. have to put one URL. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's something so small that enables us to really push content out to our many thousand followers across social media. So yeah, amazing. And you mentioned you started your marketing career pre-mobile days. Yeah. So do you remember the time when you came to the realization that tools like Instagram are going to be such a game changer? Yeah. You know what? I specifically remember the moment. It was when I was at the agency, okay? Mm. Because it was at the agency and this was back in the day when like you come in at nine o'clock and you finish right on five o'clock. <laughs> um, you spend all day at your desk except for lunchtime. And then at lunchtime, Facebook was unlocked. So you're allowed to go on <laughs> Facebook and stuff like that. I remember the guy that I sat next to, I'd only been in digital marketing for probably about 12 months at this time. He'd been in digital marketing for a little bit longer and he was sitting there like with his emails on his computer, but on Facebook on his phone. Right. Okay. (laughs) And I'm sitting there. I was real young at the time, maybe 22, yeah, about 22. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? Like there's a computer in front of you. And he's like, no, man, I prefer the user experience. And that made me start really thinking about what user experience would better be driven across mobile. And then like, I didn't realize the significance of that at the time, but then I realized like it literally, we're not living in a mobile mobile first world anymore. We're living in a mobile only world. Um, companies that say, oh, we need optimized for mobile, this and that. No, your whole user journey and user experience is in is in someone's pocket. And yeah, that was a big moment in, in time. And then also obviously when back in the day, back in those good old days, you could also have multiple campaigns targeting different devices on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And when Facebook, uh, sorry, not Facebook, sorry, Google. And when Google finally decided to, you know, force you to launch one campaign and then set bit different bit adjustments across different devices. It was so disruptive to start off with, but then it really unlocked and you saw how meaningful mobile was. And then Mm -hmm. they eventually got rid of right-hand side ads and everything's mobile only now. People don't understand. I'm not too sure people really understood why Google did these things, but it's all because everything is mobile. As I said, we're, we're in a mobile only world now. Yeah. Now with wearables coming in, it's only going to become even more, even more interesting at how we can market to, to consumers. So. So we've talked about tools that you've purchased under $100 that have made a big difference. What about an investment? It could be in yourself. It could be a tool, course, or campaign. It could be around business or marketing. What's the best investment that you've ever made? Yeah, this is an interesting one. And funnily enough, I wouldn't say it's actually a business or marketing investment, but it's had one of the best things in my career and it's meditation apps okay. and mindfulness. Okay. Nice. I live an intense life, head of marketing at Mad Paws. I also run my own clothing brand, Billy Sixes, and now I'm also involved in a digital marketing agency. I love what I do. For me, it's not really work because I'm so, I, I really enjoy it so much, but something's got to give. And that is making sure that I have the correct work-life balance. And early in my career, when I was really pushing long hours, I wasn't taking care of myself, whether it be my physical health, but also my mental state. And now I've been practicing the art of meditation and mindfulness. And it, it sounds like it's all fluffy and buzzwords and things like that. But a lot of people reach out to me and they say, because I'm very, I'm a big advocate of, of meditation. And they mm. say, oh, I'm going through a bit of tough times and I'm thinking about meditation. Do you have any, any insights to this? And I'm like, yeah, look, you get into meditation, find somebody that you enjoy learning to practice from, whether it be across a, an app or YouTube or anything like that. But the most important thing to unlock the power of mindfulness and meditation is to continue on once you've moved out of your problems. Mm. Okay. Because if you're in a state of mind when you're 
really working hard across multiple projects, yep. but you're also practicing the art of meditation in your own time, you're going to unlock this new area of growth and this newfound energy that's going to enable you to have laser focus on so many things at once. So, yeah. I have a similar story when I met Matt Mullenweg, the WordPress founder, when he was out in industry in 2015. He had just made a seed investment in calm.com yeah, very at good. the time, recently became a unicorn, so yeah. very good investment for Matt. I mean, what kind of apps do you recommend? Are you an app user? Do you have other methods of meditation? I have many different mediums that I use for meditation. Calm.com is one of them. Headspace is another good one. Even just on YouTube, okay? Once I've picked up different strategies of meditation, like talk through meditation is something that's very powerful, but now I actually can meditate without the talk through when I get into the right state of mind and everything like that. And I actually like listening to instrumental R&B songs without any lyrics while I meditate. It really takes me down to this level of Zen. And I find it really good to, once I get in that frame of mind, continue listening to that music and then jump into some data, do some real hardcore <laughs> data crunching. I find it, uh, it really unlocks this sense of, literally, I'll take my headphones off and realize, shit, I've been in this Excel spreadsheet for four hours, mm. you know, but I finished all this work and I don't feel tired. I feel like accomplished. So wow. yeah, power of meditation is unstoppable. And funnily, funnily enough that you mentioned the founder of the Calm app, not, sorry, one of the investors of the Calm app. I'm not sure if you know this, but the founder of Calm was actually also the founder of a website, which was I found out about very early in my career called the Million Pixel website. Yeah. Do you know about yeah, it? Yeah, it's a funny story. Yeah, that's like one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Like selling one pixel for one dollar, there's a million of them. Guy made, made a million bucks. Yeah. You know, that's like gave hope to anybody out there trying to, you know, get traffic and make money off AdSense. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, that is awesome. And in terms of business or marketing books, are there any certain books that have really helped you on your journey? I love business books and also I love books around people like, you know, people who have gone not necessarily from rags to riches, but people who have been down in the dumps and managed to fight their way out of it. But um, marketing wise, uh, crossing the chasm, uh, trying to how to sell unconventional or new products to an existing like, sorry, it's crossing the crossing the chat, crossing the chasm, how to sell unconventional new products to everyday people. Right. Okay. And it really talks about how you have the different types of customers and how you can break it down to your market cap. So Mad Paul's mm. there's fourteen million doggos dog owners in Australia. Wow. Yeah. Fourteen million. Fourteen million. That's registered dog owners. There's wow. many more out there that are probably on microchipped as well. Yeah. And that's just one specific animal type as well. So it really it enables it like it made me look at the target audience of fourteen million dog owners in Australia. Mm. You have like the in innovators who were the first ones to pick things up. If we relate that to like Apple users, they're the guys, as soon as something new comes out, they buy it. Not because they can find a use for it, but because yeah. they're massive fanboys. And then you've got the early adopters, which is uh, probably about another 20% of the market. Um, and then you've got the vast majority, which come in, uh, which is, you know, kind of the stage that Mad Pause is at now, trying to mm. market to the rest of the population who aren't necessarily mobile or tech, tech savvy. Um, they may have different constraints or, or issues around, um, uh, you know, trying to why they wouldn't necessarily let a stranger into their house or take mm. care of their pet. And then after that, you've got the laggers. And they're the difficult ones to to convert. Um, and they're traditionally the older generations who think the internet is a scam. So, <laughs> yeah, that really unlocked that, uh, unlocked uh, a lot of different thinking for me. And I passed mm. that book on to to many people within my team. And it was actually passed on to, it was, it was referred to me by uh, one of the founding partners of Mad Paul's Bjorn. Right. Um, really strongly recommended. And he lives the, has the same mentality of growth, has a fantastic growth mindset as well. So, yeah. Fantastic. So, so I mean, you, you talked about trust. So one of the problems I have, we have a cat and we have a dog. When we go overseas, you know, my wife doesn't trust anyone to yeah. look after them. And I'm sure many dog and cat owners are the same. 
So yeah. what, what are some of the tactics that you've used? I mean, even for your e-commerce company as well, obviously trust is a ma- massive factor. What are some of the ways that you can build trust easily with your target audience? Well, I think if we consider what trust is, and I think trust comes down to uncertainty and also mm. love. You love your pets so much and you want somebody who's going to care for them just as much as you would while you're away. Yeah. So what we try to do is in our awareness piece, we really touch on the types of pet sitters that we have on our platform. We get all of our pet sitters to do an online training program and we also get our pet sitters to do a police background check. These initial foundation steps, they don't sound like much and they're just really like USPs or call to actions to start off with. But if we can hammer that home in our brand identity from the very start, this Mm. is what we represent, this is everything we're all about. Mix that in with our company culture of we're pet obsessed, we embrace Mm. the madness. You know, (laughs) we're all different breeds in some way, shape or form. This creates this kind of um, this kind of uh, output where people are like, okay, I, I really trust the, what these guys are doing. And I think it also comes down to when you do get people in the door, giving them an impeccable service, making mm. sure that they are their expectations are met, if not exceeded. So Yeah, amazing. Definitely going to try out the platform. Yeah, fantastic. So you oversee a lot of areas at Mad Paws, but what's the one area of marketing that you wish you were more of an expert at? I don't have uh, a wish list. Okay. Mm. Um, I'm a practical learner. Okay. Mm. So if there's something that I wish I was better at, I set it as a goal. Okay. And if I set it as a goal, it's going to enable me to do one of two things, either go on and become an expert at this with many, many hours of testing, it may be, or maybe not many hours, it may be something I can pick up very quickly, or I'm going to put enough focus into this in trying to develop this skill set or develop this function to happily walk away and say I tried mm. you know so one goal that I have right now is the land of technical SEO right. website structures and so forth I think um, there's a lot of people talking about it in the industry but you know I, I think there's you can count the, the the best technical SEO wizards in Australia on one hand mm. um, people know who they are but they don't talk about it they're not they're not doing these big keynote speaking events mm. they're working very hard on their businesses and there's quite a few out there especially in the marketplace industry who are doing some amazing things and that's my area of focus at the moment. I've set myself a goal, right. a five-year goal, uh, okay. to be one of, if not the best technical SEO wizard in Australia. Wow. And I'm glad I'm saying this on the record because yeah. my team knows it, the company knows it. So yeah, I'm making myself fully accountable to consume that knowledge as best I possibly can mm. and apply it in practice and, and scale Madballs into something great. Awesome. And for people that aren't familiar with the term technical SEO, I mean, what is it and why is it so important to businesses? It's basically understanding where the search demand is uh, for your business and laying out your website in a way that you can use the content that's existing on it to have better rankings on Google. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think that just because they are a plumber. I know we've used that one a few times, but Plumbers don't really understand that. People don't always look for just plumber Sydney. They may mm. be searching for things like hot water tank, yeah. broken bathtub seal or something like that. Being able to use your content on your website and structure it in a way that's going to be able to be awesome for search engines and they'll be able to pick it up and rank you for this is all part of the fun because eventually you don't just want to get this high, this high traffic. You also want to convert that into customers as well. So yeah, technical SEO. Like I said, there's, there's literally probably less than five people in Australia who are doing it very, very well, but there's more than a thousand people who are talking about it. So yeah, really excited with what we're working on right now and developing my skills over the next couple of years. Awesome. So before we finish off today, you've made it through to the abstract question section of the podcast. Congratulations. Thank you. Final three questions. They're a bit left field. So I'll start with the first one now. If you could have a billboard, it could be anywhere in the world. 
what message would you put on it and where would it be? (laughs) (laughs) Anywhere in the world. Okay, this is an interesting one. If I could have a billboard anywhere in the world for Mad Paws? It could be for anything that you want. Okay. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like billboard ads. This is a good answer. You know, I don't like billboard ads because, mainly because they're sold to you by people who don't understand marketing and will tell Mm. you that your ad has been seen by 14 billion eyeballs. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, I'd probably prefer to have a billboard ad of somebody else and then in front of that billboard, mm-hmm. um, I would have a group of pet lovers wearing Mad Paws t-shirts nice. with, with dogs, handing out flyers. But they're not there to hand out flyers. They're there to connect with people. Mm. They're there to talk to people and explain what Mad Paws is yeah. and really hit home those emotional touch points that, we, that we've talked about. So, mm. yeah, billboards, Coca-Cola can keep buying them. <laughs> we'll keep leveraging, um, leveraging our culture and our brand identity in other ways. Yeah, and the amazing so, community as well. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. Next question I like to ask people is, if you were given Aladdin's three wishes with Disney rules, what would you wish for? Definitely (laughs) zero server downtime. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a given. Maybe, why do you want zero server downtime? Because if people can't use your platform, then Mm. they can't transact. And if they can't transact, your North Star metric's not going to go anywhere. Even the big companies out there don't have 100% server capacity. Sometimes Mm. things happen, mistakes happen. There's many different reasons. The other thing would be maybe a backlink from the big G. If Google could give us a backlink, (laughs) uh, it would be nice. We'd be able to pass that link juice down to many different areas of the website. Yeah. And the third thing is a healthy, excited, happy, and motivated bunch of people building a company, which is what we have at MadPools. So that that in the long term, no matter whether it's at MadPools or any other company that I'm working at in the future, Mm. um, that's one thing that I... And lots of dogs in the office as well. Oh, mate, that's a, that's a given. That's a given. So, yeah. Amazing. So, Kareem, we're on to the final question of today. Are you ready for launch? Ready for launch. Where are we going? So, you're on the first flight to Mars with Elon Musk and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. What business do you start when you land on Mars and how would you market it to the new Martians? Hypothetical. Mm. Yeah. Just, I... <laughs> I, I like hypotheticals in this in this environment. I like hypotheticals <laughs> at the lunch table or at the mm. dinner table or at a barbecue. If somebody brings a hypothetical to me in a boardroom, mm. it, it makes my blood boil. <laughs> it makes my blood boil. And that's because a hypothetical is something that has not been validated by data in most mm. cases. Otherwise, it would be a hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. But back on this one, if Mr. Musk said to me, let's go to Mars. Yeah. I would literally find five different things, whether it be services, experiences, or anything like that. Five is probably putting a cap on it, maybe 10, maybe 20, maybe 50. Um, and I'd trial all of them. Right. And there would be a few of them that would stick. I'm not necessarily the big entrepreneur type where I'll come up with the next artificial intelligence software that's going to, you know, tell you when, you know, your car blinkers out or something like that or anything like that or tell you anything like that. But I'm, a, I'm an executor. Mm. And being an executor is somebody is uh, enables me to try many different things mm. and look for growth within those many different things. So yeah, definitely something service based, yep. something that's going to turn into a commoditized commoditized need on a daily basis. Mm. And I wouldn't necessarily be an operator, but I'd be a person who uh, has a lot of knowledge on Mars with that skill set. Oh, <laughs> so, that's an awesome answer. I'm sure you'll find something very worthwhile. Yeah, very good. 
So Kareem, really appreciate your time today and the value you've dropped to the audience. Anything you'd like to say before we wrap up and how can people get in touch? Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the invitation on being on here. And please, I think when it comes down to community across any business, there's, there's, there's many different ways that you can do that. And Madballs, you know, we, we do have marketing budget, but the reason why we have been so successful so far is because we've told people to please, hey, remember us, consider us, think about us next yeah. time you're going away on holiday. So pet owners of, uh, of, of the world, please think of Madballs, whether it be for dog walking, pet sitting, doggy daycare. We look forward to seeing you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Krim. All the show notes, guys, are at metagy.com forward slash podcast. Once again, it's been fun. Thanks, Krim. From Metagy, you've just listened to Forward Thinking. Again, I'm Darren, and Metagy hopes we helped you find more insights and tips into your business. To find out more about Metagy and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, go and check out some more episodes. If you like what you heard, please share a link to another business owner or marketer who you think could get something from this. Also, to help us out, it would be great if you left a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Last, never miss another episode by following or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast player. See you on the next episode. Managing.